So if this is your first time here, uh, my name is not Steve. Uh, my name is Josh Smith, and I uh, serve as the Executive Campus Minister of College Ministry for Virginia, and, uh, which means I, I get to hang out with college students all the time, and that keeps me young. I'm 43 years old, and somehow they let me hang out with them. And it's so amazing to be able to worship uh, with this worship team. They're so young, and that leads us into the presence of God as young people, and I love that. Uh, I just got back from Passion. Um, I spent Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at Passion in Atlanta, Georgia. Tuesday night, New Year's Eve, 65,000 college students and young adults are worshiping God as we turn into the new decade. Powerful. Powerful. Um, A couple new songs I want to share with you guys. Uh, Waymaker. Maybe jot that down. Add that into your, your worship playlist. Also, uh, there's no God. There's nothing our God can't do. Incredible songs that really have been encouraging me and empowering me as I am thinking about all these huge things that God wants to do in my life and through my life. Now, today, we're going to be talking about effecting change. I love, love, love change. Maybe you and most of you maybe hate change. Um, there are a lot of folks who hate change. Uh, the church that I'm a part of hate change. Um, but I understand and grasp that God is a God of change. He commands us to be a part of change. He says, go and make disciples. That is effectively changing everything. He's changed my life. And I hope he changes yours. And I hope that he uses you and I to effect change in each other. Well, before we get going too far, let's pray. God, there is no God like you. There is nothing that you cannot do. And somehow, you choose us. Somehow, you want to change the world in us. And then you want to change the world through us. And God, we pray that today that you would motivate us, you would encourage us, you would inspire us, that you would change us so that we can be your vessels and your ambassadors in this world. And so, God, I pray that today. In the name of your son, Jesus, amen. So one of the things I I do is I think through how to communicate change. Uh, And I started uh, looking up on Google, effecting change. And one of the things I thought of was the, the, the chemical sign for change with Delta, right? So I Googled out chemical sign for change. Or actually, I Googled sign for change, which brought out sign language, um, which was fun. So I want to teach us a little bit of sign language today because I think this will help us to remember us, remind us why we are doing what we're doing. And so we're going to do the sign for change. And I want you to create a hook with one finger and a hook for the other finger, and then you put your wrist together, and then you switch them. That's change. Change. Today, uh, we're going to be taking a look at Daniel chapter 1. I've been in Daniel chapter, all of the book of Daniel all this this fall with our college students. We've been doing uh, our Bible study in the book of Daniel. And it's so amazing, right at the beginning, Daniel is used by God to effect a massive change in the people that he is being held captive to. 
to give you a little bit of background, we are uh, looking at Daniel's life when he has just been taken captive. Nebuchadnezzar came in to Judah and led Babylon to overtake all of Judah. It killed off Jehoiakim. God had taken his hand of favor, his hands of protection off of Judah because Jehoiakim was leading him into sin. He was leading him into idol worship. He was leading him into uh, just disobeying what God had commanded. And so God took his hands of protection off of them and Nebuchadnezzar took over all of Judah. Let's pick up in verse 3. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of the court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility. Young men, without any physical defect, handsome, showing an aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the, teacher, uh, the literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table, and they were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter into the king's service. So why did he choose these young men, these people of nobility? Um, with my college students, I call them the Israelite hotties, all right? Um, that's probably not a good thing to say in front of all the adults, but with a, it captured their attention. These were the best of the best. These were the ones who would be in the pageants. These were the ones who had influence and authority. That's exactly why Nebuchadnezzar chose these people, because he wanted them to be indoctrinated into the way of the Babylonians and therefore lead the rest of the Israelites into becoming more Babylonian. Make sense? It was that, that idea that we can make them just like us, and we can change them to be just like us. So much so uh, that he wants to change their identity. In verse um, 6, let's pick up there. It says, among those who were chosen were some Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. Listen to this. Um, chief official gave them new names to Daniel, the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach. To Azariah, Abednego. Why did, why did he change their names? Why did he change their names? Well, he wanted to change their identity. For instance, Mishael means uh, who is what God is. When they change his name to Meshach, it is who is what Aku is. Let's change who it is the God that he serves. Aku is the Babylonian God. Not that way any longer. But God had identified, he had changed their hearts, he changed their lives so much that he couldn't just change who they were by changing their names. Is that true of you and me? When we get into certain circumstances and certain uh, places, do we need to change? Apparently we need to change the battery. <laughs> All right, we good now? All right, look at that. That guy. That guy. All right. So, uh, I got to figure out where I'm at now. Um, so, who is it that is, you identify with? Who is it that you are, who are sustained by? Um, and I, I don't know about you, but 
What are the things that are holding you captive right now? Is it your title and your job? Is it things like fear? Is it things like anger? These are things that can hold us captive. And here's Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These are his friends. They're being held captive in another land where they're trying to change their identity, where they're trying to change the way that they think. What is it that's holding you captive? And I pray today that you can set that thing aside and let God be God in your life again and that he can change you to be more like him. One of the things I love is that Daniel, even though he's held captive in the midst of everything, he becomes someone who changes others, who affects change in where he's at. And so we're going to pick up on verse uh, 8, and I want you to grasp what God is doing here. And then we're going to read the very beginning. It says that Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. He resolved. He set himself aside to say, no, I'm not going to do this. No, I'm not going to become like these Babylonians. Yes, there was the Israelite diet. Yes, that's going on. But there's a key word that really helps us to understand there's something deeper. This word defile. That defile is like breaking your heart. It's breaking everything is within you. You see, this food that was being offered to Daniel and his buddies and all these men and women who are in the chief uh, court's training program, this food was being offered to the Babylonian gods as a sacrifice before being brought to the king. The food and wine would be altered as a act of worship before the Babylonian gods. This wasn't even something that, that was honorable before God. It was something that was so detasteful. And Daniel resolved that he wasn't going to partake in this any longer. I, I, I don't know where that would take him to. Perhaps he would fast until he couldn't fast any longer. Perhaps he would go until he couldn't eat any longer. Perhaps he would let his life go because he wanted to honor God rather than any other God. It's so, I want us to just grasp this. We, you and I, need to make God-honoring decisions in our lives. That's what needs to happen in us. We need to make that choice that I'm going to honor God, I'm going to worship God and the things that he brings in my path. I'm not going to choose to go down that path. Instead, I want to choose the path of the Lord. So I see Daniel choosing that to make God honoring decisions. But let me make a confession to you. Lately, uh, it's been hard for me to see God at work. Um, not because anything's awful. Maybe because things are so ordinary and normal. I've been struggling to see God at work, and I've just been so overwhelmed recently. That God is always at work. That God is the God over all things, and he is always at work. And when I'm feeling like God's not working, he's still working. Perhaps you're in that place today, and I want to just encourage you. God is still working. God is working in your life. 
God is working in everything around your life. God is working in everything that you think he's not working in. That's how big our God is. Are we going to worship that kind of God who is so huge that works in spite of us, not just because of us, not just with us? He's the God who works all the time. And I want us to worship that kind of God, and I love it when we get to sing songs to him, not sing songs to the, to the worship team, but sing songs to God. He's the one who's truly on the throne. He's the one who's on the worship stage that we should be honoring and worshiping and adoring in all things. Man, let's continue on in verse 8. I'm going to back up and it says, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And then he did this. And he asked the chief, of permission, chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. I love that Daniel asked questions first. I'm a question asker. Uh, you sit down with me over coffee or lunch, uh, I will probably shoot you about 30 questions over 15 minutes. You will be exhausted. I love, love learning about you, about whomever is sitting across from me. And I love that Daniel asked questions first. And I'm also challenged by the fact that, you know, we've heard this phrase often um, it is easier to ask for forgiveness rather than for permission. We've heard that. But what does Daniel do? Daniel asks for permission. He goes and he seeks out, can I possibly do something different? Why would he do that? Well, I think he's trying to show respect, number one. I also think that he, he's trying to go through the right channels. He wants to see something that God is doing, but he knows that God has to go before him. A few things I want to just say about asking questions for you and me. Asking questions into someone's life, affecting change in that way, you are disarming them rather than shooting arrows at them. You're allowing them to take down the shield that they are trying to protect themselves with, and they want to embrace the question especially if you actually care. So ask questions. Ask questions. Don't tell people what to believe. Don't tell people what to do. Ask questions that will guide people into making that decision that's truly from them, and you're just helping them along the way. It's so powerful to ask questions. I have a whole session I do with my staff called The Art of Asking Questions because I believe that God is not telling us to force change. He's telling us to encourage change in the lives of others and it comes from deep within them rather than Josh Smith says. It is, how oh, Josh cares about me and I am learning and growing with God desires. I become, yes, an effect, you know, change effector, but it is not about Josh. It's about what God wants to do. Let's keep going. Verse 9. I love this section. Uh, verse 9 says, Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion 
on Daniel. Why? Why? Well, I think that Daniel had become a fan favorite of Ashpenaz. And what I mean by that, have you ever seen a, a, a basketball team that has a guy that's all the way down the end? The one who rarely gets in the game? Recently, uh, the Boston Celtics had one. He's seven foot, six foot tall, Taco Fall, right? Huge guy on the end of the bench of the Boston Celtics. Those Boston Celtics are winning by 25 points in the fourth quarter with seven minutes to go. And what do they do? All the fans are like, Taco, Taco, Taco. We want to see Taco fall in the game. He's huge. He's huge. And he's been putting in the work. And it wasn't just the fans. His teammates, Taco, Taco, Taco. They wanted to see him in because they'd seen him do the work. They've seen him do all the effort he's put into it to be able to get into the game. Brad Stevens, the coach, is riling him on. He's trying to get him to get louder and louder and make this a special moment for Taco Fall because Taco's done the work. He's been the kind of player that he needs to be to be on the team. Why doesn't he get the opportunity? And Brad wanted to give him that opportunity. Coach wanted to put him in. But he wanted to make this special. Come on, taco, taco, taco. Finally, he puts him in the game. Huge applause. And he goes in and he has a great game. Seven minutes, scores four points, has a couple blocks, a bunch of rebounds. At seven foot six, you should be able to rebound, right? <laughs> Here's the deal you and I need to become fan favorites. Whatever the circumstances we're in, whether it's in our work, with our spouse, with our parents, with our friends, our neighbors, not being obstinate, not bucking the, uh, the HOA. Um, instead, we're the, the people that everybody wants to spend time with because we're the ones who are honorable, men and women of integrity. We're the, the people that put in the hard work we're the ones who are serving behind the scene. We're doing everything possible. And guess what? We're also praying for those who are around us. Who knows? Maybe Daniel had been lifting up before God Ashpenaz. Maybe he'd been praying, God, will you change his heart so that I can ask this difficult question? You know, for me, when I start praying for somebody, that maybe I'm having a hard time with. If I start praying for somebody that I disagree with, if I start praying for somebody that is in my way, <laughs> if I start praying for them, it changes my attitude for sure. But also, I believe God starts changing their hearts. And somehow God starts putting each other in our path. And somehow God starts orchestrating a way for me to have an opportunity to effect change in his life. Why? Because I have been trying to be honorable. I've been trying to be faithful before God. I've been lifting this person up. And maybe over time I start to really love them as God loved them. And maybe over time I see God working. And so Daniel asked a question, 
and God created favor in the heart of Ashpenaz for Daniel. But let's continue on and see what else is going on here. In verse 10 it says, But the officials told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king, you uh, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than any of the young men your age? The king would ha- then have my head because of you. So there was a, this conflict going on. Ashpenaz is afraid of the king, but he also wants to go along with what Daniel says because he's a good guy. His heart is inclined toward Daniel. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Just take the four of us. Test us out. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare the appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance to what you see. So he agreed to this, and he tested them for 10 days. So the, the fourth thing I think that you and I can learn from this is that we can propose tests for people. Uh, somebody's going through a tough time at work. Maybe they're having a hard time being obedient to their boss. How about, hey, bud, you and I, let's, let's get together and let's, let's study Scripture. Well, let's pray together before we work every time. I know it's hard with our boss, but let's get together and let's, let's do that for a week. Let's see what happens. Maybe it will change our boss. Maybe it changes our hearts. Maybe it does both. I, I don't want to limit what God wants to do, but maybe we can propose a test. Maybe you have a friend who, who's just struggling with relationship with God or a friend in this church How about we get together once a week and we have coffee? Let's talk, let's pray, let's study God's word. Let's do this life together. Yes, it costs me something. Yes, it costs you something. Let's do it together. Let's do this for a month or two. Let's see what God's doing. Propose a test. It doesn't hurt. We're we're so afraid of trying something new. Try it. What's the worst that could happen? God might show up. He's always there, right? If he's always there, what's the worst that can happen? Daniel proposed a test. And I want you to see what what happens after that. Verse 13, it says, At the end of ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away the choice food and wine, not afraid of his boss anymore, not afraid of his king anymore. So he took it away and gave them vegetables to eat. I don't know about you, but I, I really like my hamburger. I really like my steak and potatoes. Man, if God is going to do something major, God is going to work. I'm willing to go wherever he leads. God went to work. And you and I, in the process of trying to effect change with people around us, we need to let God do the work. Let him go to work. Let him do his thing. You and I, our job is to remain faithful, to step out there one step at a time, aiming to come closer and closer to God and let him work in us 
and through us. And when we do, we get to see God at work. How exciting would that be? Yet, if you're like me, sometimes we struggle to see that happen because we're struggling to be faithful. Take steps forward, people. My friends, let's not stand still. Let's walk with him. I love 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 and 7. Because I, I work in a campus ministry and a college work is so difficult. But I love this passage. It says, I planted seeds. This is Paul talking. Apollos watered it. But God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. It's reassuring for me when I don't see huge things happen. I'm doing my job. I'm planting seeds. I'm watering. I'm fertilizing. I'm cultivating the ground. I'm doing my job. But when I see God work in someone's life and they are transformed by him and they are baptized in him and they are living for him and they're sharing Jesus with everyone they know, then I know I've done my job, but even more so, God is at work. Don't you want to be a part of that? I do. But there are times where you feel like you just don't see it happening. Remember, planting seeds, watering, cultivating the ground, fertilizing, whatever we have to do to be faithful to him Trusting that he is going to be going to work. I pray that this church, I love this church. I come here three or four times over the last couple of years. I've seen this worship band grow. I've seen this church grow. But this is not, it's all that God has commanded us to be with what's in this room, Right? The kingdom of God is supposed to grow, it's supposed to expand, it's supposed to go all over the world. And you and I are used to be a part of that. So let us be a part of effecting change everywhere we are. Not just everywhere we go, everywhere we are. Let's read the end of the story. Verse 17, to those four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked to, with each of them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. Ten times better. Ten times better. So they're the, the valedictorians of the class, right? Not just the valedictorians of this class the valedictorians of all classes that have ever been. God was at work in Daniel, Hananiah, 
Mishael and Azariah. God was working in them. But the amazing thing is that Daniel goes on to serve for five different kings in captivity for his whole life. Suffered not being able to be home for his whole life. Five different kings. He raised from just being just a normal Joe in the king's service to being second in charge under Cyrus. He went from being a Judah from Judah to a Babylonian to being a Mede and a Persian. Because he went through everything. And somehow God kept using him. God kept working. God kept raising him to the top to be second in charge. You see, our job is faithfulness. But a lot of times we struggle with what that looks like. Are we asking enough questions? Are we being a fan favorite? Are we praying for people who are over us? Are we proposing tests and seeking to do things better? Are we letting God go to work? Maybe today, um, God has some work to do in your life. I pray that he does. I have a series of questions I want to ask if we conclude. The first is this. Do you want God to work in your life? Do you want God to go to work in your life? The second is this. Do you want to see God go to work in somebody else's life? Have you been chained by God? If if not, there's no better time than right now to allow God to go to work in your life and be changing you right here, right now. Perhaps you need to to give your life to Christ and surrender to him and be baptized into him. No better time than right now. And the last thing is this. Do you want to affect change in someone else's life? And if not, I'm going to ask you this question. Has God really changed you? It's a mandate. God has inscribed it on our hearts that we want to change others around us if he has changed us. So if he hasn't changed you, let's see that happen today. Let's pray. Father, you have been uh, doing a crazy work in my life. You've been revealing in yourself to me. Teach me more and more about who you are. You are the way maker. You're the miracle worker. You're the promise keeper. You're the one that turned darkness into light. And I want to follow after you wherever you are. God, I pray for my friends in this room. I pray that they want to follow you as well. They want to be changed by you, inspired by you, become exactly as you would have us to be. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.